Welcome to The Content Lab, the weekly podcast for content marketers about the strategies and tools you need to create addictive content your audience will love. I'm your host, Liz Murphy, Impact's content strategist. People talk a lot about wanting to be thought leaders in our space, you know? You don't want to sound like your competitors. You want to say something different. You want to be bold and memorable, and I get that. But when it comes time to put your proverbial pen to paper, it's not uncommon for one of two things to happen. You might freeze and write something utterly boring because while you want to stand out, you also don't want to turn anybody off. So you'll err on the side of playing it safe instead. On the other hand, you could end up going all in and teaching that valuable lesson, but your worst fears are realized. You, The way you packaged your ideas and your thoughts ends up coming off preachy and aggressive. In my personal opinion, being stale and inoffensive is the worst of the two crimes. But regardless of which category you fall into, I think we can all agree that there is a very fine line between teaching and preaching in your content. So how do you effectively teach your audience and share those big, hairy, audacious ideas without turning them off? To help me answer that question, I invited Laura Belgray, the copywriting queen behind Talking Shrimp, to help me on this episode of the Content Lab. Of course, as always, don't forget to stay tuned after our chat for this week's One Thing and the Weekly Awesome. But without further ado, here's my interview with Laura. All right. Well, welcome everybody back to the Content Lab. And I am so, so, so excited today. Uh, because one of my copywriting heroes, sheroes, I guess mm-hmm. is how I would put it, um, is joining us today. Um, before I tell you guys why, um, I'm just going to turn it over to you. Hi, Laura Belgrave from Talking Shrimp. How are you? Hello. I am great. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing good. So let's kick it off kindergarten cop style. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know, who is your daddy and what does he do? Who are you and what do you do? For those who are not familiar with you, I wasn't familiar with kindergarten cop. What? Okay, that's a that's a whole sidebar conversation. But okay, okay. oh, well, let's start there. I'm someone who hasn't seen kindergarten cop. Uh, breaking my heart. Like I don't. I almost never. I know. I don't love movies. I love TV. I'm probably turning off half your audience right now. Anyway, no, so you're fine. I'll start with. Um, I have a company called Talking Shrimp. And I run it from my home in New York City. It's a copywriting-focused business. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I've found lately that I have to kind of redefine copy or establish what I might mean by copy because, to me, copy is everything, all the words you write for your business or to sell mm-hmm. something, and that includes content. Mm-hmm. So I help people write words that sell, whether it's um, their blog posts or their emails or their, their website copy. It might be ads, it might be a sales page, but it's, it's all that stuff. It's like what I consider the fun stuff, the stories they tell and how to tell them better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do that for entrepreneurs. I also work with a woman named Marie Forleo, your people might be familiar with or might not be. She's the creator of B-School and um, I co-script every episode of her show Marie TV with her. And um, aside from that, I also work with TV networks and that's what I've done for a long, long time. That's how I got my start is writing promos for TV. No kidding. Yeah. What, What kind of promos? So for anyone who doesn't know what promos are, those are the commercials that TV networks run for their own shows or for the network. So 
for instance, a, a promo that like just about everybody knows or is a tagline is it's not TV, it's HBO. I didn't write that, alas, I wish I had. But You so totally I, could have said that and I, I would have been like, wow, Laura, amazing. I should claim that one. I know <laughs> I, I have a friend who worked with in, at an ad agency with the guy who came up with, uh, for the army with Be All That You Can Be. And it was some guy named Gary who my friend said was just insufferable because he created that line. Oh yeah. my God. You know how you see those mugs where it's like quotes and it says who said the quote? Yeah. I wanted to say, be all you can be, some guy named Gary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Sure Behind Gary. every great tagline is some guy named Gary. Some guy named Gary who's now insufferable and dining off of it for the rest of his life. So I haven't, I haven't created one like that, but I have created... Um, like promos for Real Housewives that have been a hit. And Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and, and others, but that was probably my best one, best known one. Um, I worked for Nick at Night and TV Land for years and years and did promos for shows like The Facts of Life and The Odd Couple and all kinds of vintage shows that you might think about. I wrote a, a hit music video starring Mr. T. And Tony Randall from the other couple. Are you serious? I am serious. I it, is that. Can I find that online? Does it exist? You can. It exists. Uh, on, it exists on my site at talkingshrimp.com. Uh, okay, so we're definitely going to include a link to that in the show notes because that's amazing. Um, I think you also did a great one-on-one demonstration on how to give an awesome organic bio <laughs> about yourself because that is. <laughs> way cooler than mine. People are like, what did you do? I'm like, I liked words. I did them a lot. So I kept doing them and I liked oh, them the best. So that's I stuck very around. organic. Actually. <laughs> and I stuck around. <laughs> and I stuck around and I kept doing words and I do words now. Today. I, do wor- I keep doing the word thing. Like if somebody tries to make me do math, I'm like, don't, I, I'm not paid to math. I'm paid to comma and word and sometimes exclamation point. Um, so let's dive right in. Um, okay. Ready for my flawless segue? Yeah. Whoosh. Segue. All right. So today's topic. Um, I remember when we were going back and forth thinking, you know, like, what do we want to talk about today? You said three words where I was in my car at a stoplight. And I'm like, oh, yes, that's it. Like you had this big list of stuff and it was there and it was three words, teaching, not preaching. Uh-huh. And I think that is a big challenge that, you know, we've seen with our clients at Impact. I've seen them before with other clients when I was working at Quintine. And honestly, just anybody who is, you know, maybe solopreneuring, entrepreneuring, there seem to be two camps. And this is the, the problem I want to impact today. Those who are new to something and they're excited and they want to teach the world, but they end up kind of like verbally online beating people into submission with their well-meaning message until they're like, stop, stop. I liked you. But now you're like the person trying to sell me leggings. And then you also have people who, and this is what I run into a lot in, in my line of work, who, who are, who want to be honest. Like that's the hot thing now, right? You know, be radically honest, you know, radical candor, you know, brutal honesty, have an opinion, you know, you can't just write okay content. you got to create great content. But the minute you like actually push them to have an opinion, they're like, oh no, 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 no. I don't want, I don't want to be too preachy. Like I don't want to be controversial. You know, like I don't, you know, I don't, like I want to teach people, but like I but then you push them and you realize that they actually don't. Right. You right. know what I mean? 
And yeah. like, well, you can't do that. You can't, you can't have the opinion, but not have the opinion at the same time. Exactly. But you don't want to preach the opinion because then people get really sick of you and they don't want it. Nobody wants to be preached to. Um, and I, and I think that it, like, so somewhere in between the people who shy away from teaching anything, um, and, the, and the people who can't stop teaching stuff, um, but throw it at us like they're a teacher in front of the room mm -hmm. is where we want to be, which is delivering what we know and what we can share in uh, a way that people want to hear it and will absorb it. Basically sharing rather than teaching. Yeah, and I think that's that's where we want to kind of bring these two groups of people together, you know, gather around the fire, everybody. We're going to show you where this fine line is, because it is a fine line where, you know, where you drift from teach to preach. Because, yeah. you know, and I would love to hear from you where you see that line being and how that how that's expressed. Because one of the things that you've mentioned to me before we started talking today is the fact that, you know, sometimes it's not necessarily what they're saying. It's, it's the volume and velocity at which it's being dumped on you. Yes. Um, and just the, the blurted outness. Well, let's say, let's, let's put it in the context of emails because your style is going to be different from one thing to another. So like, on a, in a Facebook post, say to your friends, mm -hmm. um, you're probably not going to do so much of a, a teachable, you might share a lesson that you learned, but I think it's going to be more about like what happened to you today or what you're like, what you're dealing with. And that's where you really have to be super personal. And, and I'd say careful about teaching too much because that your friends aren't there to aren't necessarily there to be taught to. That's a whole other thing. Let's go to email. So say in email, people have signed up to hear from you, right? They've signed up and probably to learn from you, depending on, on what you do and what you promised them when they signed up. But they still don't want you to, like say you're a coach, they don't want you to email them um, an email saying like, you know, why, why you're stuck in life. And then the email says, um, you are probably like, you know, hi there. There, you know, chances are pretty high that you're in a victim loop and that's why you're stuck in life and you have to get out of a victim mindset or like, you know, it's time to stop letting fear. Uh, it's time to stop letting fear stop you in your tracks, um, stop you from what you want to do. Like nobody wants to just hear these lessons. You can't just throw them at somebody. You've got to put these things into, you know, just like I see you've got a dog in the background. You probably like if you've ever had to give your dog a pill, you probably like oh my God. Wrap, wrap it in some dog food or some like a slice of bologna or something. Mm -hmm. Right. So or peanut butter. So you've got to you've got to put your teachables into some uh, let's say peanut butter because um the bologna is disgusting. This is the best analogy I've ever heard. <laughs> Mostly because my poor, so there's another dog in the background who you can't see because he's more well-behaved and also <laughs> tired. Um, he just had surgery and I'm having wow. to give him like two pills a day. He's doing fine. He, the biggest problem was the cone and he couldn't get under the bed. Oh, yeah. Um, oh. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, literally like we tried to just give him the pill and finally peanut butter which is hilarious to watch. But anyway, continue. It is. Oh, because then you see them like doing that mwah, mwah, mwah thing with it their mouth. Like so confused. Trying to, 
Yeah, we used to give my dog peanut butter just for fun to see what mm-hmm. she would do with her mouth afterwards. No pill involved. But, but so email peanut butter. What is email, email peanut, peanut butter? butter? What does that peanut look like? Butter is story. So there are so many different ways. Like if you have a lesson to teach, there are so many different ways that you can start it that are not that are uh, teaching without preaching. So you could start with a a story about you. Um, it might be a problem story. Like you might talk about a time that you messed up. It might be the other day or it might be in life, like your, your biggest failure. For instance, if I wanted to deliver the message, if I wanted to write to my list about how, um, say, there is always something to write about, even when you feel like you've got nothing to say. I wouldn't just start in with, you know, dear so-and-so, like, hey, Liz, I want you to know that even when you think there's nothing to say, there's always something to say. Um, I wouldn't start with that. I would say, like, though, <clears throat> my biggest business screw up um, was the time that these, you know, these two guys from a production company who I'd worked with before wanted to give me my first freelance job for them. And it was a big deal to, it was really a big deal to hear from them. And they wanted to pay me for my work. And they said, you know, hey, we want to pay you for a day of your genius. And here's the assignment. Are you up for it? And I was like, hell yeah, I'm up for it. Um, I was so excited. Like the, I, I hadn't had real like, clients of my own before. And I, you know, the day the thing was due, which I had waited for, um, I was like, they're paying me for a, a day in my jeans. I'll do it the day it's due. And I sat there and, you know, breakfast, like no genius came to me. Um, like watch some TV, no genius came to me. The, the day like came and went and like by sundown, still no genius had come to me. Luckily they were in LA, so had a couple of more hours for genius to come to me. And, um, you know, five o'clock their time rolled around and they called me and said, we haven't seen anything for it from you. What have you done? Because like, you guys, I don't have anything. Like I, no genius had come to me. I'd waited all day for it. It was like, I've got nothing. And they were like, oh no, Laura. They were so disappointed in me. And that was like my big shot with them. So that's all to say, like I've learned since then, if only like if you only put down something terrible on the page, just start writing something, anything, when you're, when you're waiting for genius to come to you. Um, that's the only way to get genius to come to you is to start writing, write something really crappy. Uh, so that is, how, that is how I would couch that lesson. I would tell, I would start with a story about myself, about a time that I messed up. Um, you could also start with, a happy story like say you want to give some tips on like speaking you might say like I'm happy to report that you know I just did my first big speaking event and so I was terrified and I thought I was gonna forget everything I killed it on stage and you know here are the few tricks that helped me do that so there are two things that you said there that I really loved because I feel like your email peanut butter principle can actually apply to content in general, right? Right. You know, where I've, when I, when you started talking about it, I started thinking about, you know, some of my favorite blog posts that I've written for impact. 
Um, and the one that I did most recently was I wanted to talk about how it, the short version is that I feel like sales teams are criminally underused by marketers. In fact, they would just rather not deal with them. Mm -hmm. And for them, like talking about sales is like talking about politics or religion at dinner. And it was kind of like a come to Jesus, like kind of verbally shaking marketers by the shoulders. Uh -huh. But I can't just like show up and be like, all right, marketers, get your ass together. Let's, let me tell you about how wrong you are and how mean you are to sales. Right. And instead I started with a story and said, you know, I had been working with the marketing team and, you know, leadership came to me and said, Liz, you've been doing such a great job. You know, we want you to go and help the sales team. And like, you know, I said this in the blog, like I, I'm, you know, I baby step, I do the work. I'm a professional. I pulled up my big girl pants and said, okay, great. And in my head, I'm like, why am I being punished? Why am I being taken away from the things I really enjoy doing? And I think what, and I've gotten a lot of good feedback about that article. And a lot of it has to do with the fact of when you put that peanut butter on it, when you express that kind of vulnerability, whether it's happy or sad, because I pivoted and later said, like, I didn't want to go. I thought I was being banished to an island. Like, you know, it was an opportunity. You know, the way people call challenges and issues and problems opportunities. Yes. <laughs> I like the word problatunity. I think my sister made that up. That's awesome. Another one of my favorite um, mishmash portmanteaus is volunteering or being volunteered <laughs> something. Um, but when you do that kind of emotional peanut butter, I think it creates that connection, right? Yes. Where people say like, oh, they're not just telling me what that problem is. They are establishing from a place of authority that they have been in this position. It's like a little bit of emotional table setting, if you will. Yes, completely. Although that's not even the only way to go. Like um, when you said, it's like bringing up sex or politics at the dinner table, mm -hmm. but like you could, I, this is where I thought you were going. And just another option. Um, if you didn't have that firsthand experience and you were just sharing, like sharing an opinion or something you've seen over and over again, mm -hmm. um, you could start with a story about like the faux pas you made at the dinner table or mm -hmm. that you're, or like the uncle that, you know, got kicked out of uh, Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. especially if it's a holiday time and say, well, that's the effect that you have um, when you, you know, talk about X. Mm -hmm. Right. And here's why. And, you know, and everybody's, everybody does it and here's, and they need to stop because otherwise they're like the, you know, you're going to be like the uncle who nobody wants to invite again. Mm -hmm. Well, what, what would you say to those though, who maybe, you know, because a lot of this depends on context, you know, mm -hmm. how right. you position yourself, how personal you get, how not personal you get. A lot of that is contextually based upon a lot of different variables. You know, what industry are you in? Are you B2B yeah. versus B2C? Are you being known as a personal brand or are you re representing a larger whole as a contributor? Totally. So a lot of, a lot of places I've seen the struggle in particular you know, when we were talking about those groups of people at the start, those who want to have opinions and be radically honest, but they're afraid to actually do it because they don't want blowback. Mm -hmm. How do you talk to people who feel, or how, how would you recommend people handling that? Like say you're a, a B2B cybersecurity firm and mm -hmm. you want to have radically honest opinions about something. How well, would you approach that? 
I mean, can you give me an example of what yeah. a radical opinion, a radical opinion in that context would be? Yeah, absolutely. It's funny when when you talk about radical opinions again, that scales. It's all relative. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, it can be as simple as you know how you talk about your competitors, or whether or not you disagree with a commonly held best practice that a lot of people like. Like little stuff like that, yeah. where they don't want to push the envelope too far, but they still want to establish themselves as an authority, establish the fact that they are people with thinking brains who are doing something different than everybody else. Yeah. I mean, I think you're doing yourself a a huge disservice if you hold back on those radical opinions. Um, Pissing people off is great. I think you're going to, you, you want to piss some people. I don't think you want to gratuitously go out there and be abrasive or, or controversial um, with something that you don't believe in. But if there's a, an opinion you have that might shake things up and you think people should know it, I say go out there and maybe you'll lose some subscribers. Um, maybe some people get mad, but getting a reaction is so much better than not getting a reaction. And the people who like you and who either agree with what you're saying or come around to it or appreciate that you're saying something contrary to what they believe are going to be even more on your side and even more for you. So here's a question, since I know you mentioned in your background that, you know, obviously a lot of what you do, and I, and I see it on your blog, I am an avid subscriber of your emails. You do write a lot about, you know, words that sell and positioning that sells. Have you ever seen in your experience where having that opinion, even if you lose subscribers, you know, does that still translate into sales? For me, yes. Like every, the, the things that I write, like the emails that I write and the blog posts that I write that offend a few people are the ones that are the biggest hit and where people become, you know, bigger fans or they end up buying sometimes in like, say, a round of affiliate emails mm-hmm. that I'm writing. Um, I've, I've had emails that people wrote back to me about and said, like, I totally disagree with this. You're not for me. I'm unsubscribing. Like, great. And those are the ones that sold. Interesting. So the things that get a reaction, Mm -hmm. it can be easy to just get upset because a couple of people say, and now I'm upset about it. But usually that will also resonate with a lot of other people as well. Absolutely. Like you are, you are never going to be for everyone ever, even if you try to be. Um, but if you do try to be for everybody, if you try not to offend anybody, if you try to be likable to everybody and accommodate what everybody wants or wants to hear, you are just going to be mediocre, watered down, boring. I think the idea is to, the best idea is to like whatever, what, what people don't like, um, what a few people don't like, like dial that up to 11 and be even more that and be for the people, be for the weirdos who love what you are and what you stand for. Mm-hmm. Like your, your weirdos are your biggest indicator of what you're doing. Right. And you're like, well, some people aren't going to like this, but a few of them will really, really like it. The, those, those people who really, really like it are the ones to focus on, not the ones who don't. 
You know, it, it's funny the way you said that. I, I couldn't agree more because it reminds me of, you know, whether you're talking about an individual who wants to be a thought leader as much as the words pain me when I say them as they come out of my mouth. <laughs> you know, like that, like if somebody says, I want to be a thought leader or an organization says, we want to create true thought leadership within our industry. Yeah. You can't do that by sounding like everybody else. You can't do that by always playing it safe. You know, and, and I think sometimes people forget that just because you're going to express a controversial opinion, you know, it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. You know, you can say something controversial, but you can do, in a, do it in a way that's calm, clear, concise, in a way that isn't derogatory to anybody else. Back it up with facts, you know, provide your experience. Like, I think sometimes people miss a lot of the opportunities that come with expressing an idea that's different. Because it gets it, that's how you pop. That's how you stop sounding like white noise and start sounding like somebody where, you know, I hate email newsletters. There are only like two or three that I actually read, mm-hmm. you know, and people start getting excited because they're like, okay, so I actually just learned something. You know, there's, there are people who do controversy for the sake of controversy, but the, when people actually express those opinions and they put themselves out there, that's when you create true moments of education, which is if you're in the content business or have content for your organization, that's what it's supposed to be all about. You're supposed to be educating. Yeah. Well, you not, not only do you um, create moments of education, but you make, you make people feel like, oh, thank God it's not just me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so glad you said what I was thinking. Because if you're thinking something, someone else is thinking it too and wishing someone would say it and wishing they could say it. Um, so usually you being the one to say it makes them say, thank you. Uh, that's exactly what I would have said if I like, but I didn't know how to say it or, but I didn't have the courage to say it. So I think you, you, wanna, you wanna be for those people, act for them. And like how many times can we hear, for instance, you're not gonna be a thought leader by going out there and saying, like, all the magic happens outside your comfort zone. Yeah, we know. Thank you. Thank you. We get it. But if you go out there and say, actually, all the magic happens inside my comfort zone. I love my comfort zone and I'm staying here. Here's why. And people can be like, oh my God, thank you. Yeah. Kind of like going back to like those, all those different morning routine ones. Like the ones that I have bookmarked are the ones where like some guy was like, these are all garbage guess what? I woke up this morning and I wasn't happy about it. You know, like somebody who's finally being honest about something. And again, the context for that is very personal, but I think the application there is for businesses as well. You know, if, if, if you are constantly creating content and just wondering why nothing is like, because the other favorite word that marketers use, and I am criminally aware that I use this as well, resonating. Like if you really want things to resonate with people, what that means is like something has emotionally stuck with them. Yes. Because while what's interesting with inbound is that buyers are desperately trying to avoid talking to a human as much as possible. But Mm -hmm. the only way you actually build and establish any sort of trust is not just with all of your testimonials, not just with case studies, but when you start giving them opportunities to see a glimpse of humanity, the people behind the organization who are staying up at night, super passionate about the problems that you are desperately trying to solve. You know, and when you give that moment, when you give them that glimpse of like, 
you know, maybe that's the emotional or the, you know, the email or copy peanut butter that you put on there. Like literally this just kept me up last night. No one wants to hear from a business. They, they want to hear from a person. I mean, there are, t- there are different kinds of businesses. Like mm-hmm. there's retail, there's like uh, a J crew, although they're not doing so well lately. And they're, I just unsubscribed from their emails cause they were just bombarding me every damn day. But, um, there, like, there's some story. I know that I'm hearing from J. Crew. It's not coming from a person at J. Crew, mm-hmm. and that is fine because really, I just want to know. The reason I say subscribe is because I want to know when there's when there's free shipping, um, or if they finally start making the t-shirts I like again. That's the only. That's the reason I. I found that sounds like a very personal grievance. It's a very. Uh, you know what? They're always like, it's personal and so full of regret. Cause I'm like, why didn't I stock up? Well, like, why didn't I stockpile 50 of those t-shirts when I had the chance? Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, what, and, and it's personal against them. Why would you, why would you discontinue that great t-shirt? Mm-hmm. Those are idiots. So that's, um, that is not about story or humans. That's about J crew and my grievance with them. That's but, okay. I have a grievance but, with old Navy about a tank top, which <laughs> felt like a personal attack. So I completely understand where you're coming is. from. It but is back to people and businesses and such. Back to people and businesses. <laughs> right. So kind of retail, especially clothing and stuff like that is a little bit of a different story. Um, I think Brooklyn and does a great job of having a human voice, putting a human voice to their emails and, giving a little bit of story to remind you, like maybe it's you know, time to buy some new sheets. Um, but a lot of businesses like services, uh, software as a service businesses, things like that, send their emails from a human. And I think that helps. It's like, oh, it's from so-and-so at ConvertKit. Let me open this up and see what they have to say. And having an actual person behind it, I think really helps you connect to it it makes you feel a little bit less like it's from a business that doesn't care either way. If you open their email, mm-hmm. um, when it's from a person, you feel like, Oh, they, even though you know, it's a mass email, you feel a little bit like, Oh, there's a human can, you know, communicating with me and they care and they put some effort into this. And maybe there's something personal about them. Oh yeah. One of my favorite, Oh God, I, you know what the worst part is, is that, let me talk about how much I don't prepare for this. Um, <laughs> I wish I could think of an example of this. And I, the name of the brand escapes me. But there is, you know, there's one of those, like, it's like ConvertKit, Kissmetrics, Gather Content, like yeah. one of those organizations. One of the things that they do really well is without beating me over the head with it, they have different people sending different types of emails. So you start mm-hmm. to associate those people yeah. with certain subjects. Yeah. And that is super cool because then it feels like you're getting a peek under the hood. Like, oh, I know every time I see her name, I'm getting something about this. So like, it doesn't even matter what the subject line is. Just by seeing the name, it's like a person to person recognition. And that's really cool. I think, I think that's something a lot of people could do a lot more of, and that doesn't require you to be, you know, unprofessional or unvarnished in a way that a lot of these, you know, startups and SaaS companies don't want to be. But that's a really neat thing because if you're doing that via email, you could also be doing it in your articles. So that way people know like, oh, if this person is writing something, it's definitely probably going to be about this. And you create these one-to-one connections without even talking to anybody directly. I think that's really cool. 
It is cool. And yeah, you create your specialty, but you also create a human connection. So people feel like they know you and something, and something about you. Mm-hmm. Because when it's a business, you just don't feel any obligation to read it or pay attention. Mm-hmm. You feel ruthless about deleting or ignoring it. Yeah. You know, it's funny, uh, like along these lines, talking about the human connection. This all, this all, all ties in. So I listened to um, Brian Koppelman's podcast, The Moment. Have you ever, ever listened to that? I have not. He does really good interviews. He's also like a huge fan of Seth Godin and has had him on like three or four times, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's how I found his podcast. So it's really good. So he, <clears throat> Brian Koppelman created the show Billions. Mm-hmm. He has this podcast and he has the show Billions. And he talks about Billions on the podcast sometimes, sometimes has actors from it, from it. Um, now, I kind of like the show Billions. It is not, I don't think it's that good. Is that the one with Paul Giamatti? It is. Okay, yeah. And I hate, I hate this is going to be an unpopular opinion. I hate Paul Giamatti. I cannot, I cannot, <laughs> I feel like every single line uh, of his on the show, especially his monologues, um, are modeled after his monologue, his soliloquy in Sideways about oh. people Mm-hmm. So everything, everything he says on that show is a take on his Pinot Noir monologue. It's just another version of that. And I cannot listen to him growl it again. But yet I, I continue to watch, even though the show is fairly annoying in many ways. <laughs> but it's partly because of um, Brian Koppelman's podcast, because I listen to that and I feel like I know him. I feel connected to him. I like him and I know how much passion he puts into the show and how much he loves it. So when I'm watching the show, I kind of feel like, well, I'm friends with the guy who made it. Mm -hmm. I'm not really, but I feel like I am because I have a connection to him. So there's all to say that like when you tell stories to your audience, when you let them into your life and let them know things about your life, whether you're B2B or B2C, you create a connection where they feel like they know you. This is how you create know, like, and trust. They, they know, when they know things about you um, and have pictured you in certain situations, maybe they've seen pictures of you, but maybe they've just, it's just been created by your words. They are way more inclined to buy from you and love everything you do and whatever it is you're selling. They're more inclined to buy it because I feel like, well, my friend made that. Oh my gosh. You know, it's absolutely true. So this, you just reminded me of a client we used to work with a long, long time ago. And I use this example because I know that there are a lot of people out there who might be listening to this where they're like, well, I can't do that. You know, I sell such and such boring software at boring corporation. I would never be allowed to do that. So they, it was a company that is, they do call center technology and like call center training and they do it for like corporations that, you know, sell retail online, but also like 911 stuff, which, you know, super sexy, Mm -hmm. super glamorous stuff, you know, stuff that you would never imagine would have something interesting going on in terms of content. But there was this guy, his name was Chad and he 
was amazing. Every time I had to edit one of his posts, it was just like a dream because they were funny. Like for example, one of the things that a lot of people are talking about now is like how you do customer service via text message, which could very easily be like a super dry, super boring topic. But instead, the one that he sent me about it was this personal story. He's like, let me tell you about this really terrible customer service experience I had via text. And he walked you through this whole thing where he, I think it was like with AT&T, it included screenshots of the text messages. And like all of a sudden you were like, yes, oh my God, this happens to me all the time. And it's, it becomes this educational thing because the whole point of the story was to talk about how you do it well and how you do it right. But he infused this whole personal thing where he's like, I had to do this thing. I had to talk to AT&T. Everybody hates doing it. And he takes you through the whole thing in a super organic, fun way. He also did another one, which I don't remember what it was, but this is how much it stuck in my head. I can't mm -hmm. remember what the moral of the story is because I'm not buying call center technology, but it was about like the fact that he just sit there at a soccer game and watch his two kids play. And he loves being a dad and his sons are great, but it's like, I'm also a dad at a soccer game. So it ended up being this thing, I think about like security with like credit card transactions or something, I think. Uh -huh. But like he did it so well that that was like years ago. And those articles are still in my head because it's like you expressed genuine humanity. You showed me who you were. You showed me that you were an authority on it, but you also provided a very human context to very static, sterile technology solutions. And it, you know, it, it really, I think what a lot of technology con, uh, companies don't realize is that often they're in the business of solving people problems yeah. with ones and zeros and start talking more about those people problems. And I just thought that was so cool. It, that's absolutely the way to do it. I mean, I, I like I again, I don't know what the story, what like what the point was or what how it was framed, but imagine like the typical post or email being like, you know, how to provide better customer service. And mm -hmm. That's like a big yawn, as opposed to how not to ruin a soccer dad's day. It literally, I think it was like, this is exactly how you don't do customer service. Mm -hmm. And like that, I think I'm pretty sure like the title was very close to that. Yeah. It was really funny. Right. And like just having that soccer dad thing yeah. in there or the nightmare story mm -hmm. that, that makes it so much more palatable and readable. And like, we've seen the tips over and over. So as every business has. Mm hmm but they haven't heard that story. If you know, you, you pull them in with a story and um, that's what everybody wants. Like every, if you're B2B, you're, no one wants to hear from a business and no one wants to be talked to like they're a business. You're never, there's never a business reading your stuff or listening in. Mm -hmm. It's a person, mm -hmm. right? It's never yeah. a business, it's always a person and people like stories. Okay, so let's flip the script a little bit. So, Let's say I'm nodding along and I'm that person who goes, oh, I'm not preaching. I'm definitely teaching. And you know how sometimes you see those things where it's like, if you don't, if you think you don't have X type of friend in your group, you are that friend. What are the signs that somebody who is a, a preacher in denial <laughs> might be able to self-identify in order to maybe catch themselves doing this and course correct? Uh, I'd say the top sign they can look for is nobody wants to listen to them mm -hmm. or, or nobody changes or nobody says like, Oh, that meant so much to me. 
mm -hmm. nobody repeats back, you know, what they said later, like, oh, that time, you know, <laughs> like that tip that you gave me, um, you know, really worked. I wanted to tell you about it. Mm -hmm. If no one's doing that, then you're probably preaching, not teaching. Mm -hmm. That that's what I would say. I mean, I don't. I think if somebody, if someone's so sure that they're teaching without preaching, then they're not gonna. That's the that's the person who's not gonna go and look for signs. Um, who's not who's not looking to change it. I think it's the person who's afraid to put mm -hmm. their message out there that we're concerned with. Because some some people like the, the the type of person who's gonna go out there and preach is probably probably doesn't care that mm -hmm. they're preaching. Huh. Um, they probably just think that people listen, need to listen better. Or they think like, oh, everybody's stuck. Um, you know, everyone's stuck in their victim loop or, you know, nobody, no one's capable of change. That is not true. If you find that that's true, then you're probably not talking to them right. Yeah, I, that's the funny thing. It's like, if you're screaming out into the void with all of these amazing progressive thoughts and hearing nothing back, maybe getting crickets. Yeah. Where people are just like slowly like backing out of the room in an online fashion with like creepily unsubscribing. Um, or yeah. where if you're like, I, I like the way you said that though. It, it's true. Like if you're the person who is always just going to be like, well, people need to listen better or my way or the highway. Right. I think that's the thing that educators really forget. Um, some of the best content I've read by people who are educating are those who who provide experience, provide expertise, but in a way they kind of subtly invite you to learn with them as opposed to being like, I'm on the mountaintop and look how great I am with my marathon and goat milk yogurt before 4am. Let me show you my ways. It's those who are willing to you know, bring you along that, that learning journey with them. That's where it kind of the magic right. happens. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> if you like, if you start off with like, you know, here I am on the mountaintop with my um, goat yogurt mm -hmm. and you should be here too. Boring. Like no one's going to come to you. But if you're like, um, you know what? Uh, I never thought I'd say this, but I'm on a mountaintop with goat yogurt. Um, if you'd seen me like a, a month ago, you wouldn't have believed it because mm -hmm. I, was, I was down in the swamp eating Cheetos. Definitely on my couch eating Cheetos. Yes. Definitely. Right. Um, and like, if you've ever wanted to be on the mountaintop eating goat yogurt, here's what I'd recommend trying. I think it'll, <laughs> it will work for me. It might, you know, it might work for you, especially if you're somebody who thinks that you're destined, that you're doomed to be on the couch eating Cheetos for the rest <laughs> of your life. That's what I thought I would be. So you've got to make yourself relatable and, be a little yeah vulnerable I hate the word vulnerable because everybody uses it but that's I think that's what you have to be I'm afraid to find new words because like the moment and I say this again knowing that I'm also part of the problem mm -hmm. like the word resonate was great vulnerability was great yeah. storytelling was great yeah. and then marketing happened to it and now they're not great and every right. time I say them like my insides shrivel up and die like a dying star that's kind of like collapsing on itself but, um, you know, I'm afraid to make new words because, like, what, what will get ruined next? So maybe I'll right. just stick with the bad right. ones. Well, you have to just keep making portmanteaus, like, um, 
What was it? Fallen Telling. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that one. <laughs> also, I just think portmanteau is such a great phrase. But anyway, all right. So let's wrap this up nicely. If there is, and this could be about this particular topic or just any tip in your head, what is one thing people should stop doing to make their content instantly better? And one thing they should start doing right now to make their content instantly better. Content, copy, whatever. Mm. Um, stop trying to be fancy and buttoned up. Like stop trying to stop trying to sound erudite. Oh, and, uh, nice. <laughs> well done. Yes. Um, stop stop switching into uh, writer or teacher mode when you're writing something and picture a best friend in front of you or like open up a, you know, you might want to open up an actual email and put your friend's name in it to picture them, like to, to switch into the mode of talking to them. Hmm. When you, start. you don't want to start something with like, this is what I see people do all the time. They're like, this is a post, so I must make it postly. And they'll say like, oftentimes when we are stuck in a negative pattern of thinking, we must rewire our thoughts so that blah, 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 blah. Rather than- I'm already say, asleep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> First of all, don't start anything with oftentimes. Um, you want to start it the way you would to a, the way you would talk to a friend. So that's the, the don't and the do. The do is- write like you talk and talk to talk and write like you would talk to a friend or another, at least a human, not a robot, not a, yeah, not a robot, not a business and not a teacher in high school who's reading your paper. So another seamless segue, it's time for a shameless self-promotion. How can people find you, Laura? What are you working on right now? What's happening in Laura land and how people can get, how can people get in touch with you? Okay. Well, before I tell you, mm -hmm. I want to say, I want to talk about the phrase shameless self-promotion. I mm -hmm. say, let's cut out the word shameless because that implies that self-promotion should be, should normally be shameful. Ooh, okay. And let's just make it self-promotion because we've, got got, we've got to promote ourselves. Okay. Let me, let me rebrand it then. We're going to do on the fly rebranding. Yeah. Happy yeah. fun promotion time. I love it. Okay. So people can find me at talkingshrimp.com. That is spelled just like it sounds. Where did that name come from? I know the answer, but it's such a cool story. Yeah. I think it would be cool. Do you think it's a cool story? I, I do. I read it. I'm like, okay, yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> basically any story that starts with our accountant said, <laughs> story. But when my husband and I got married and we were, you know, had spent the first year getting screwed on taxes. It was like, I thought taxes were supposed to be better when you're married. Mm -hmm. um, we went to an accountant who said, you guys should incorporate. That'll make it better. You both, you know, you've got different businesses. He's like, find a, you know, come up with a name. What, hopefully, um, like in best of all worlds, it's a name where the URL, that's free. So we like brainstormed some names. We wanted something that could relate to either of us. I'm, I'm a writer and he's in restaurants and that could mean anything or meant nothing. And um, like somehow came up with talking shrimp and believe it or not, that email was that, that URL was available. Couldn't believe no one had, no one had scooped up the domain talking shrimp.com yet. Um, 
like could not believe our luck. So that's what we made it. And then, of course, later on, I realized, oh, it's the perfect name for me. It kind of goes along with Seth Godin's purple cow. Like what stands out more than a shrimp that can talk? The whole idea mm-hmm. of copywriting is to make yourself stand out. So that's how we came up with talking shrimp. I love it. And it had, and really like I had a, I, I had no plans to make it a copywriting business the way it is now with a blog and everything like that. Um, it was just going to be a site to host my TV reel and the business kind of happened by accident and it became a thing. Very cool. So you have talking shrimp, you have your own email peanut butter that people can subscribe to there, right? People need to get up in my peanut butter. It's really good. Um, and I'm a, I'm a fan of smooth peanut butter, so I'm going to say it's smooth. It is uh, Skippy smooth peanut butter. So they can go to talkingshrimp.com. They'll find different ways to opt in, but if you want to go right to like right away to get on the email list, go to talkingshrimp.com/signup. One word, sign up, and that will get you in on my magical emails. Sweet. And then you also have something like you have a couple things. So you have 60 minute makeovers, which is the copywriting mini course, but then you also have the copy cure. Yeah. So the copy cure, which I created with my partner, Marie Forleo, um, that is a more comprehensive copywriting course. And it is a great way to, if you have trouble finding your voice, sounding like a human, um, writing words that stand out and don't sound cliche, that is the way to go. That's, that's your starter kit. So that's a, a bit more of a comprehensive copywriting course. And then, um, but it completely binge watchable, like you can get through it in an afternoon and you won't want to stop. And then the, the 60 minute makeover copywriting mini course, which is the longest name in history for a mini course. Um, that is, a readable, like downloadable, instantly readable, instantly absorbable little um, course and showcase of copywriting techniques, little tweaks that make a huge difference in copy. So it's visual examples. So you want to see an about page that went from sucky to awesome with a few tweaks. You will see that. There's a sales page, there's an about page or work with me pages. There are a lot of home pages and taglines mm-hmm. and you can see the tweaks that I made that you can make to, to your own copy and make a big difference in a short amount of time. Um, yeah. And I can say, I actually got the uh, 60 minute makeovers okay. um, one. Cause one of the things that I struggled with for a long time is that I knew how to write long form, but that kind of short to the point stuff that was not my strong suit for a long time and still learning, you know, making my way through that, that part of the world. Um, but I, I can attest to that. That is probably like, I have it printed. I have it on my desktop. Like it's just awesome. Oh, I love um, hearing that. Yeah. It's a good way to get into short and punchy land. If you've awesome. ever visited. Can people find you anywhere on the internet, like Twitter, Instagram? I am a big fan of my, of my own Instagram self. Uh, <laughs> I love Instagram. So I'm at, on Instagram as Talking Shrimp NYC. Because in this case, someone had taken talking, talking Shrimp by the time I got to Instagram. And um, someone rude. with a private account and like 32 followers. I'm like, how dare you? That's so rude. 
I know. And, and there's no such, they said, oh, well, Talking Shrimp is my favorite character from something. I'm like, there's no such thing. That's like, a lie. Did they like screw up a character from SpongeBob? Like, I don't, I don't understand. Oh, yeah. Maybe they meant Plankton. Yeah. He's one of my favorites. He's yeah, Plankton's the best. He is. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, thank you so, so much for joining to me today, Laura. I, I wish I could literally find an excuse to just like keep talking to you, but thank you. Um, yeah. Have right. a great day. Thank <laughs> you. you too. Hey, we can keep talking. We can you keep just talking. can't hear us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys don't get to listen. Bye, everybody. Nope. Bye. Bye. I love conversations like that because it's always such a great crash course on what it means to create meaningful and genuinely helpful content. But there's one bad habit that is guaranteed to undermine your authority and credibility in your writing every single time. In fact, this is a bad habit I am 100% guilty of myself, and that's the subject of this week's one thing, the one thing that will make your content immediately so much better, and that is writing in passive voice instead of choosing active voice. So here's what I mean. For example, you need to write like a human. That is stated in active voice, where I am telling you directly that you need to take a particular action. But I could also write it in passive voice. Your writing should sound human. In that second version, that passive version, what I've done is I've taken the action away from you. So you being the party taking the action. And we've now shifted the responsibility of that act to an inanimate object. In this case, your writing. I know that personally, I slip into the style of writing quite a bit, especially when I'm concerned, even at a subconscious level, that I'm sounding too bossy or pushy. But that's a big problem if your goal is to put big, bold ideas out into the universe, because by going into that passive voice instead of retaining that active voice, you're shifting the responsibility of that action to an object in your sentence, and you lose the oomph of giving a clear direction or call to action. Instead of saying you need to write like a human and saying your writing should sound human, you're more making a suggestion and that, yes, may land more softly and not ruffle any feathers by being too aggressive, but it's also not going to have the same kind of impact with your audience. So the next time you see yourself slipping into that passive voice, stop. Take a look at that sentence. Try rewriting that same idea in an active voice, because with that one little trick, you will easily add exponentially more power to your writing. Okay. So this week's awesome. Um, this, is, <laughs> this is a tool I've actually been using for quite some time, and it's literally wordcounttools.com. Um, one of the most game-changing editing lessons I have ever learned is not to edit for everything all at once. Rather, you should edit for style, grammar, narrative progression separately in individual editing phases. So that's why after I put my work through the usual readability paces, you know, using things like Hemingway, which is what I talked about last week, I'll then drop my work into the text box you can find on wordcounttools.com. And here's why. Not only is it going to tell you how many words are actually in the document, I mean, hello, that's the title of the website. It has this neat little thing I noticed not too long ago, which targets one of my most common, let's just call it 
idiosyncrasies in my writing, um, I have a tendency to be redundant. And I won't catch myself, but I'll use the same words and phrases over and over again, sometimes back to back in sentences. I don't know why, my brain is just broken. But there is a keyword density box below the word count, which tells you how many times a non-grammar word appears in a particular piece of text. So if you say something like sandwich 15 times in one article, it'll say sandwich 15 times. But the other thing that's really neat too is that you can also target repeated phrases because you can check to find repeated single words or two words or three words. Again, I know this sounds very simple, but given that a lot of us are often responsible for having to do a lot of the heavy lifting when it comes to the editing of our own content, uh, I found this resource a really quick down and dirty way to target that bad habit of mine. Anyway, All right, so we've come to the end of yet another episode. Please do not forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, your podcast player of choice. You can connect with me at Content Lab on Twitter and Instagram. That is the official Twitter and Instagram accounts for the podcast. Or you can chat with me directly on my personal channels, which is at Naptown Pint. And that's, again, on Twitter and Instagram. Finally, don't forget to leave a review. Not only do do those five-star reviews help me feel great about the day and about life, it also ensures that this very new podcast gets found by other people. And with that, uh, I leave you until next week when my guest will be Tamsin Webster. Bye-bye.